and Eric Gordon masterclass performance, renewed defensive effort and energy and execution from this Rockets team. Kevin Porter Jr.'s heroics in the fourth quarter and DeJounte Murray almost saving the game for the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to break it all down for you right here at Locked on Rockets. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin as well as the show at Locked on Rockets. And hey, we sincerely thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Joining us now is host of the Launchpad podcast, as well as one of the hosts of the Rockets Safe Spaces on Twitter, Paolo Alves, formerly known as Prodigy. He he did a face reveal the last time he was on the show, but he was an entirely different person. This man is now totally out there in the open. What's up, man? How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. And I can can never do better. Well, the Rockets just won. Feeling good against the Spurs as well. So. It, it always it's always nice to be able to get a Rockets win against the Spurs or against the Mavericks, the nice little in-state rivalry. And uh, this was a fun game for a lot of different reasons that we're going to dive into in the show. We're also going to tackle some questions. Uh, I threw out a, threw out a kind of a, a Twitter post that night of the game, kind of asking for some observations, some thoughts from this game, and we'll kind of tackle those in segment three. Uh, share some individual thoughts on those, but I think you know diving into this game. There were so many storylines to talk about. We had Eric Gordon's huge game going for 31 points on just 10 shots. Um, Was nearly perfect from the field. Nine of 10 shooting for Eric Gordon in this game. And then six of seven at the free throw line. So he had a big night. And it was kind of like, it was like the Eric Gordon show. And then there was, it was briefly the the KPJ show in the fourth quarter. And then at the very end, it was the DeJounte Murray show as he tried his best to take over this game and basically do his like impression of Tracy McGrady's like 13 in 35. And so I do want to talk about kind of the end of this game, the crazy like finish that we had the defense overall from this one. But I think that mainly what this game illustrated with Eric Gordon on his way to 31 points is he continues to prove that he is going to be probably one of the best acquisitions that a team can make at the trade deadline uh, somebody that's really trying to make a push for the playoffs. And at this point, his value's got to be at least worth like a first or a second round pick. And it was it was kind of really good to see like a vintage EG game, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't really expect. We don't see this often, but he scored 30 points. He had over 100% true shooting. So you know someone's having a crazy game when that happens. He, he exited the third quarter. He hadn't missed a shot. He's someone... And above all, that, and I think that's really important for anyone trading for him, he's someone whose game barely drops off in the playoffs. He's, his true shooting drops off, I think, 1.5%. He's someone who's proven as a six-man, as a 3-and-D wing, as a creator, 
as a defender. He's proving himself this year and running some point guard as well. It's just who could have predicted such a great bounce back season for Eric Gordon? And I mean, Raphael Stone, you're thankful for it because he's going to get a good asset for him at the deadline. 110%. And I think the one of the, my highlights from this game, so I, you know, if you don't follow me on Twitter, which there's probably a lot of people that don't actually follow me on Twitter or keep up with what I tweet because I tweet way too much. Um, I was actually in San Antonio for this game. So it was my first game on the road as a credentialed media member, which was a really cool experience. Um, but I will never, ever again drive to and from San Antonio in the same day. Uh, that was awful because within a, like, 15 hour span, six of those hours were spent driving to and from San Antonio. And that was awful. I didn't get back home till like three or three 30 in the morning that night. And I had every intention to do this very post game recap of the Spurs game in San Antonio live from AT&T center, but the Wi-Fi and the hardwire connection was so bad. I couldn't do anything. I had to do all my work from my phone that game because my laptop kept cutting in and out all throughout the game. So that was awful. But the highlight from this game was pregame. I followed up with Steven Silas and asked about why he was no longer staggering Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green's minutes. And he gave me a detailed answer, basically said that he really wanted to see how those two guys are working on the floor together, that they're very important pieces for this team moving forward. And he has to understand where they can be successful, you know, at the beginning of games, at the end of games, and trying to find, you know, the areas of success in between those two points. And then he goes into the game. <laughs> and chooses to go back to staggering them, which the moment we saw, the moment we saw Jalen Green subbed out with about like, what, five, six minutes left in the first quarter and K KPJ stayed in the game, I had this like moment where I was like banging the desk and I was like, look at it, he's staggering them, look at it. And I was so like vindicated. I had this moment where I was like, yes, it's happening again. Sure enough, I followed up with him post game about it. And this is what he had to say when I asked him yet again, post game, uh, you know, why he chose to go back to staggering the lineup with KPJ and Jalen Green. Yeah, I was laughing when you were asking that question because I knew I was going to stagger him tonight. So, um, yeah, for both guys, it's important for them to kind of be on the attack. And there are times when they're out there together, one is on the attack and the other one isn't. Um, so staggering them, playing them together, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. But tonight I decided to stagger him and it was effective. I followed up asking Steven Silas right after this if, you know, if it was possible that one of the reasons to, to stagger them might be or one of the reasons to move away from them sharing such a heavy minutes load is that at times kind of following up on what he did say about one of them, you know, being in, in attack mode and the other not. I said, is it is it time at times maybe they're showing a little bit of passivity out there where, you know, they're not quite sure, okay, this guy, you know, he has it going, so I'm going to defer to him or, you know, I I'm just going to try to get him an open shot. And he said, you know, for sure at times because they're both really unselfish guys. And so it felt really nice to be able to, you know, we've been, this has been the new hot button issue with Rockets fans over the last week or so is not staggering KPJ and Jalen Green. So to have that moment to, to capitalize on that with, you know, Steven Silas pregame and then to have him circle back post game and say that he was amused by my question pregame because he already knew that he was going to stagger them. It was a moment I was just like, that's pretty cool. Like that was kind of a cool moment for, for me to have. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and it ultimately, it, it, it served this, its purpose to some extent, right? He 
they did stagger him. When KP Clay was not on the floor and Kevin Green was, you could tell that Kevin knew, okay, this is this is my time. I need to I need to just handle business here. And he might not have been handling the ball as many fans have been calling out for. He was playing off of uh, Eric Gordon and at times Josh Christopher as well. But he did get more shots and we did see him driving to the rim more. And even though some of those times it was ill-advised because they had a really good rim protector in, in Jakob Poto. Um, but it's important to see him uh, stay aggressive and, and, and even if it's not the right decision, make it, it's worth it him making uh, the wrong decision a couple times a game if it means that he's going to go up from from half his shots being threes to to only 30% of his shots being threes. Because ultimately what you're trying to do is you're, you're trying to have him develop as much of his game as possible. And and when he's out there with KPJ, sometimes it just feels like he resorts more to either either he's getting the ball in the, and pushing out on it and pushing it in, on the fast break and trying to get a lap or a kick out or, or or even pull up from three. Or he's in a half court set and he's coming off uh, double screens and he's getting a three point shot from deep because uh, Teams just go under every screen and and doesn't really get a chance to do it. So it was it was really nice to see the offense being focused on let's get Kevin to the rim a couple of times. He did take six threes. He unfortunately didn't make uh, all six of them. But to me, the the big deal is it felt like when Kevin Green was on the floor, he was being featured, and then that's what everyone wants, in my opinion. Absolutely. No, that's something that I've been harping on is is featuring Jalen Green a little bit more. I do want to dive into some of the specifics on Jalen Green as well as KPJ's game from this one. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Prize Picks. You've been hearing me tell you about Prize Picks for months. Have you signed up yet? If you haven't, now is the perfect time for a limited time. Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Listeners will get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available for locked on fans only who use promo code NBA. Look, PrizePix has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. PrizePix offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each and every game. Look, it's so easy. You pick two to five players and an over slash under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. So go to prizepix.com today or go to your app store and download the app. All users that deposit and use promo code NBA will get $50 for free if your per- first prize pick entry scores just one point. That's right. All users that deposit and use promo code NBA will get $50 for free. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. We thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now, for your second listen, go check out the Locked on Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Locked on Now on Apple, Spotify, or watch it on the brand new Locked on NBA YouTube channel. So on the Jalen Green part of his game, right, um, I really wasn't even upset. Like, he didn't hit a single three. He was 0 of 6. But overall, I really felt like the attempts were all pretty quality attempts from deep, except for there was like one that he had. And I even put this on Twitter. There was like one three attempt that he had where he kind of came off of a screen and he didn't quite get his feet set. And he kind of like took it off balance, like off of a screen. And he's got so much bounce, like he was still able to get up in the air. And it was like an open shot technically, but he didn't get his feet set. His shoulders weren't square. So like of his six threes, that was the only one that I would really classify as like a bad shot attempt. 
And so overall, it was just one of those nights where the shot just didn't fall for him. But I do think, and this was an area that Steven Silas highlighted post-game that really stood out, was the ability for Jalen to find ways to impact the game that don't necessarily involve scoring. And in this one, it was his rebounding. He posted a career high in rebounds, eight boards in this one. And it unlocked so much for him to be able to get that rebound and then take off in transition. And we saw that happen a lot in this game where thankfully due to kind of the uptick in the Rockets defense in this one, which we'll get into in a moment, but Jalen was able to actually, they were actually able to get some defensive stops and then get out in transition to have some opportunities to attack the Spurs before their defense was set. And seeing Jalen have those chances to just secure a rebound and then immediately hit the Jets and get out in transition, it's it's another way for him to really unlock his game because he's such a blur. Like the when he gets the when he gets going downhill in transition, almost nobody can stop him. And it's it's really great to be able to see him have those opportunities more than he has in the past. Yeah, and it's good that he's he's realizing this, and it feels like the coaching staff has made it a point of emphasis uh, since he came back from from his injury. That every time he he gets the ball, or anyone pulls down a rebound, the first thought is, okay, let's give Kevin the ball, see if he can run in transition. And this was a part of a big part of his like scouting uh, report coming into the NBA because in the T League he was doing that, and even when he doesn't push the ball himself, he's also a lob threat. He's someone who's got crazy bounce. We've seen multiple lobs from KPK and even Josh Christopher to him. But um, it 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 also it also I think it also gives him more confidence to drive even when he's not in in transition. Because in transition, nobody's keeping up with him. You're either fouling him or he's missing a, a layup. And we saw a really spectacular play this last game where he was pushing it in transition. He was ready to go dunk it, and he was like a little bit short and like five games ago, we saw a play exactly like that where he tried to get the dunk. He didn't, didn't get it. And this time he, he thought about it b beforehand and on the fly, he, he transitioned it into a, layup, into a layup and it was super smooth. But it's it's important because with rookies, it's a lot about confidence. And we know Jalen, he's a confident guy, but seeing the ball go in, even if it's a layup, even if it's just free throws, and he's one of the best free throw shooters uh, from rookies uh, thus far, it's the more confident he builds, the better the better his game will will look for us, and the better the game looks, the the more stuff he can move on to to, to develop. He he came back from the break as with a uh, for example a, a shot release that to me sounded a lot quicker, and it felt like he wasn't pulling his shot as much, and that. Um, that resulted in the first three games he came back, he was shooting like 50% from three. So with Jalen, it, it really is uh, about being patient while giving, making sure, and the priority always has to be to give him the reps that he that he needs to make the mistakes, and he's going to have bad games, and then not, no, one's, no one's arguing against that, but having those reps really unlocks him, and you, you brought up the rebounding. He had eight rebounds, and he felt he was making a point to let me go grab the rebound, because if I grab the rebound, I know I have an advantage over their entire team, and I can just run, and I'll make something happen. And it, his game, from what we've seen so far, is a lot less of just a pure scorer all the time. We've seen him He's had a, a good re, a good rebounding game just now, but we've also seen him show real flashes of playmaking, and and it's felt like as the season went on, he's really developed uh, other facets of his game other than the scoring as well. Absolutely, and that's that's what those those incremental growth 
you know, points that you brought up, right, are exactly what you're looking for in a rookie season is seeing, you know, where where is Jalen Green at as a playmaker? Where is he at as a rebounder? How is he able to impact the game? What does his defense look like? I think that you can make the point that his defense, at least his man-to-man defense from where he was the start of the season to where it is now, is on a completely different level. He has really, you know, dug his heels in and tried on that end of the basketball. His his team defense, unfortunately, at times is still a little suspect, and that's you know to be expected with a rookie understanding rotations and help defense assignments and that kind of thing. But the fact that he is a quality one-on-one defender shows that the the physical gifts are there, the skill set is there, and once he finally like starts seeing different plays and he's able to read and analyze things. Steven Silas talked about this like pregame the other day. I forget which before it was, it was or which game it was before, but pointing out that Jalen with all his physical gifts all his tools that you can see that once he's seen enough things like he's going to be an inc- like a very adequate NBA defender if not a plus defender because he really does try on that side of the ball it's not for lack of effort it's just for lack of understanding and anticipation right so much of defense is just anticipating where the cutter is going to be anticipating where you need to rotate to and you know being a step ahead of where the offensive player is going to be and so Understanding that and kind of moving on a string with your teammates is something that this team has really struggled with. But I think you can at least be optimistic moving forward with Jalen specifically and also KPJ and, and a lot of the young guys on this roster that they have the the desire to be good defenders and the physical gifts to be good defenders. They just don't have the knowledge yet on how to do it at, a, at an elite NBA level. And that's going to be what needs reps and, and to take time or what's going to require a lot of time and, and practice and commitment to get to that level. But I do want to spend a minute talking about the defense, and we'll we'll talk about that specifically at the top of segment three because I do want to talk about Kevin Porter Jr. in this game because it really felt like to me that KPJ was very deliberate about not like doing too much early in this game. Like he only had two shots in the first half, didn't attempt a single shot in the second quarter, and obviously Steven Silas decided to stagger the lineup this time around with KPJ and Jalen Green. And so they both had ample amount of time on the floor without each other. And so it's not like KPJ wasn't out there, you know, and, you know, div, you know, diverting the, the ball to, to Jalen Green a lot. It was just he was really focused on trying to get others, in, kind of trying to get others involved, but trying also not to do too much himself, I feel like. And then he really turned it on in the fourth quarter when he had that kind of like fourth quarter takeover. He hit multiple shots, hit the back-to-back threes, and it was only countered by the fact that DeJounte Murray decided to show up big in that fourth quarter as well. But I do think that there's like a, like there's something about Scoot and he's got like this like clutch gene. Like he, he lives for those clutch moments. I feel like, like there's, there's kind of like that X factor that you have with a player where do they shy away from the big moment or do they kind of lean into it and, and they're ready for it. And I do think that even though he was having like a relatively quiet game offensively, he was ready for those for those big moments in the fourth quarter and he delivered when the Rockets needed it most. Yeah, and, and with KPJ, we saw it against the Wizards. I mean, everybody remembers the, the game winner that he hit. This game felt personal to him and, and I, I wanted to reference his childhood friends with the Keontae Murray and they, we saw them hooping against each other in the offseason. It really felt like when the fourth quarter came along, KPT was like, "Okay, give me the ball. I'm going to work. This, this like, this is my childhood friend. I want to beat this guy. I'm going one on one against him every single time, and I'm winning this game." And it, it, it really felt like. It really feels like with KPT, when he's locked in, you see the star potential all over him, and then 
for some reason, sometimes he's just not quite there. Sometimes he's just too too complacent. Sometimes he's he's too loose on the handle. It really feels like when he walks in, and this was a great game for it. That's it's really really hard to stop him because he has the entire package. He can he can shoot step back threes. He can catch and shoot. He can cross you over into the finish floater, uh, mid range shot at the rim, dunks anything. There's there's so so little limits to what KPJ can do. And then on the defensive end, you 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 realize that he was taking it personal to to defend Dejounte Murray. Well, he did that. He did get like beat a couple of times there in the clutch. He did foul Dejounte on a three, and usually, when a player fouls someone on a three, it means that they're hustling so much that they're hustling too much. So he, he was trying to close out. He wanted to stop that shot so much that he he didn't even like uh, he didn't even like hit the legs of him, he just stopped a second too late and then leaned into him as he was, as the the, the closeout was coming. But it, usually, usually that's a shot you'd allow the Dante Murray to take because he's not known to be a great three-point shooter, but K- KPJ knew. Like, he was like, this guy's hit like three daggers or, or three like um, um, comeback shots already, he's going to hit this one and he wanted to stop that one in specific, and that attitude and that edge, it's something that he needs to work on having every single game, and when, and if he does, and when he does it, because I'm a, a really big believer in him, that's when all of the doubters and all the people that don't think he can play point guard or, or think that he should probably be a six man, that's when he's going to prove a lot of people wrong. For me, with him, it's always mental. Like he, the talent is through the roof. He needs to just get it under control and understand that every game is important, every possession is important, and when he behaves like that, you can tell that it's just off the roof. Coming up, we're going to dive into the uh, more so defensive mindset or the, I guess, like refreshing defensive image from this game for the Rockets. They did wind up giving up uh, a chunk of points there in the fourth quarter, but things looked a little bit better on that end, as well as answering some questions from the Twitter sphere. And we're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. A new year and a new updated desktop and mobile interface where when you sign up today using promo code Locked On, you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, a 50% bonus when you use promo code Locked On. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, even your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, thank you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked on Bets. Make a little bit of money, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Wherever you listen to this podcast, you can listen to Locked on Bets. Now before we dive into kind of the defensive side of things for the Rockets in this game. Some quick hitters here. Uh, Jay Sean Tate finished the night with 13 points, six rebounds, seven assists, a steal, three blocks. Just a very Jay Sean Tate-esque game. Had a number of left-handed finishes where he just kept getting to that left-handed side of the backboard. He uses the glass with so much confidence, just such a nice soft touch. And then again, was facilitating at a high level with the six assists. And then 
Christian Wood finishing this one with another double-double, 23 and 11 for Wood uh, on 9 of 17 shooting. Just a really quality offensive night overall for Christian Wood. And, and overall for, for Wood, for Tate, for the rest of the team, it really did kind of feel like they were really locked in defensively. And that's going to bring us to our very first uh, Twitter kind of shout out here from uh, in the fast lane, Ed, uh, Ed, longtime listener of the show, shout out Ed. But uh, he brought up the momentum changing moment was the, the defense at the top of the fourth quarter, kind of with Tate Tice and Josh Christopher in the lineup. And I really think that it was just overall, I was really impressed with the defense kind of, maybe not throughout this entire game because they did give up 36 in the first quarter, but it felt like at least the defense was noticeably better with some of the rotations and some of the help side defense in this one. And then namely in the second half, they only gave up 23 in the third quarter. And then as Ed brought up and, and what I noticed too was at the top of the fourth quarter, I mean, that lineup that they had out there really sparked something defensively for the Rockets because they only gave up like six points across the first five or six minutes of the fourth quarter. Now, ultimately, they wound up giving up 34 in the final frame because DeJounte Murray decided to become a man possessed at the end of regulation, really trying to, you know, steal a victory uh, inside the AT&T Center. But overall, right, the, the Rockets snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. But uh, overall, they were, they did look like a better defensive team. And my takeaway from that, honestly, is that with the staggering of KPJ and Jalen Green, while those two guys have shown flashes as individual defenders, their team defense and their help defense and their understanding of defensive schemes still needs a lot of work. And so not having both of those guys on the court together as much really also helps on the defensive side of things because they're not blowing as many rotations, unfortunately. So that was another positive side effect of going back to staggering those two guys, in my opinion, as well as some of the success that we saw from some of the other lineups throughout this game. Yeah, and ultimately, you you expect the defense to be a little bit better when the game's close, right? When these guys feel like they have a chance, everybody's a little bit more more locked in. And you you, you brought up a really good point. KPK and Jalen, while they're they're like KPK is a good one, but while Jalen is like a passable one-on-one -on -one point of attack defender. When it comes to the IQ and the thought behind it, I think they they get bailed out a little bit by 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 the players they have behind them, like Thais, like like Tate. Players that are really defensive specialists, and and oftentimes when you only have one, you can hide them you can hide them a lot better. And then when you when you talk about they only giving up six points um, at the beginning of of the fourth quarter, I mean when you have uh, Josh Christopher, you have Daniel Thais, and you have Jason Tate on the floor, you know that that unit is playing as hard as they possibly can every single time. And, the, and it's it's a common phrase in basketball. When when three or four, when two, two or three guys are giving it their all, you almost feel embarrassed if you don't give the, if you don't give it your all as well. So, and we saw, even Christian Wood, who's not known to be a good defender, we saw him, there were sequences there where he was recovering and, and, blocking, and blocking layups, and it, it it really felt like a team effort, but you can I I believe you can credit those three guys as like igniting that that fire, and then the other guys just kept kept it burning. 
Absolutely, 110%. And it was nice to actually see some some defensive fire from this team because they've been giving up so many points. And again, granted, they still gave up a chunk of points there at the end to DeJounte Murray, but I think the defensive effort overall was just a little bit better and the understandings of where to be in certain positions were what was nice to see, a nice change of pace there. But um, moving to our next question from at Tiziano Cuse, I'm, I'm probably butchering that, but uh, from Tiziano, um, should we find a better way to use Garrison Matthews. Um, if I remember the rest of this tweet, because I can't fit all the characters in, in this little caption box for our YouTube audience, but um, there were some concerns over Matthews and, and how he's looked kind of being moved to the bench role. And in this game specifically, uh, Matthews was 0 of 4 from the floor, 0 of 3 from deep. Uh, did have four rebounds and had a couple of assists, but an overall really quiet night for him in just 16 minutes played. Honestly, man, I'm not super worried about Gary Bird. Like, you know, he's a shooter and shooters go through slumps and he's had a, he's had some positive games since signing his contract and, you know, locking himself into it in an NBA deal. He's also had some duds and that's just what he is as a shooter. But he brings the hustle. He tries hard defensively. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's really any cause for concern with, with Garrison Matthews, at least personally. What do you feel about this? Yeah, absolutely. I think with Matthews, you just you just live with the results. He's someone who's going to take some really hard shots, and that's just the way it is. You you let him take those shots because they build confidence, and and you know a shooter never never remembers the misses. He only remembers the, the shots he hits. So you you just you let him take those shots, and you live with the results. When it comes to a better way of using him. He's someone who, as opposed to a lot of other guys that have the reputation of being shooters, who plays hard on the defensive end. So you're not you're not having too much of a liability on that end. So a better way to use him, I would say he is someone who misses a little bit of, of having Shengun. And he and Brooks were, were people that really thrived of, of the gravity Shengun has as a post player and has a passer even at the top of the key and got a lot of easy shots because... Shingun got them for them, and without without him, when and running thighs as the as the backup big, they the, the, the kind of shots they get are a lot different, and people have a harder time finding them even for open ones. So I think once when Shingun comes back, I, I expect both him and Armani, who I think has been out with health and safety protocols for a little bit, I, I expect those two to to pick it back up, and it, it's really important because this team really needs the spacing. Armani was available for the Spurs game and just didn't crack the rotation, so he made it back from health and safety protocols. And then Alper and Shingun did warm up prior to the Spurs game, and he was questionable going into that one. Uh, and then recently, Steven Silas did uh, announce during the Thursday Rockets practice, since we're a day late on recording this, shout out AT&T Center. Um, but uh, Steven Silas did announce at Rockets practice that uh, Alper and Shingun would be uh, you know, hopeful to be available for the Rockets Kings game Friday evening so we should should see LP back on the floor hopefully taking those backup minutes away from Daniel Tyson as you alluded to right I miss seeing Alper and Shingun like out there on the you know at the top of the key in those little DHO handoff sets with Armani Brooks and with Garrison Matthews where you know he he sets such solid good screens for those shooters to be able to come off of them and have wide open shots you know to the left and to the right of him just depending on where they're where they're curling off that screen and so it's great to see those, or it's it's been great to see those opportunities, and they haven't had those same opportunities as well as right the actual like opportunities that uh, Shingun creates by drawing drawing in defenders in the post or just you know driving things in. Just he's a hub of offense and makes things easier for his teammates. So getting him back is going to be huge for those shooters off the bench. Um, so no, I, I don't think we need to worry about uh, 
Garrison Matthews at all, which should tee us into our, our last question that we're going to bring up here uh, from from Stormy, a uh, good friend of the show, longtime listener, uh, and also fellow uh, member of r slash Rockets. So we're going to shout out r slash Rockets in this show as well. Uh, how can we not with the legend Prodigy on the show? The artist formerly known as Prodigy. But uh, <laughs> thoughts on Tate slash Shingun initiating the offense more with guards and wings slashing slash moving more. Um, I kind of feel like this is a no-brainer, right? Like this is absolutely something we'd like to see more of moving forward. Yeah, with and I think it, it depends a little bit of after the deadline when some of these vets are moved, they'll be able to give more priority to having Sengun uh, run these these types of plays. He already does to a certain extent uh, with the second unit. I look forward to seeing him run these kinds of plays with the what we consider the future with KPJ, with Jalen, with those guys, because they I believe they really need to build some chemistry among them because. Shengun someone who came into the into the NBA and we saw uh, uh, some wild passes. We saw the team was not thinking as quick as he was. And then as he developed the chemistry with that second unit, we know that Augustine and Shengun are a really good combo. We know that KJ Martin and Shengun are a really good combo because they've they've grown to learn how Shengun wants to pass the ball, and and Shengun has grown accustomed to the, where those guys want the ball. And it's 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 created a really entertaining bit of basketball that we, that we get when the second unit comes on where everybody's just expecting a highlight at, at any point and that's that's really cool as a fan so a, as a fan as well you ha, you have to wonder when we finally see a lob from from Sengun to Jalen Green or or when we finally see like Sengun draw a double pass it to Jalen Green for a three that's those are the moments that you live for as as a fan of a rebuilding team, is your young players connecting? So I believe w with the deadline and with a lot of a lot of the rotations being more set in stone, when South actually gets to know uh, which players he's going to keep for the rest of the season, I think those will come will come uh, a lot more often, and it will be really exciting to watch. Absolutely, and if if anything, right, this game was you know uh, another proponent of the fact that yeah, Jay Sean Tate can absolutely also be. I, I feel like he's kind of at times like the forgotten guy in in what when we get caught up talking about Jalen Green and, and KPJ and Shingun because Tate just quietly goes out there and does his job every night, right? Whether they need defense, whether they need rebounding, whether they need playmaking, like he is so good at so many different facets of the game. And again, coming out and just dishing out seven assists because it was a night where. KPJ a bit quiet on his on his you know assist numbers in this one just had the two assists had a few turnovers you know not really able to create as much for the team in this game but it didn't matter because the Rockets as a team actually created a lot of different opportunities they had 23 team assists overall which that number you'd maybe like to see that be a little bit higher probably inching closer towards 30 which during the during their win streak days uh they were you know averaging somewhere right around like the 30 assist numbers per game or so they were really moving the ball well and that was really evident in that second unit that was featuring Alper and Shingun and how well some of those guys were able to connect how well DJ Augustine was playing off of him, how well KJ Martin was playing off of him and you know being able to see those connections a little bit more now with kind of DJ Augustine be Augustine being uh, out of the rotation normally he's normally out of the rotation in favor of Armani Brooks I feel like has been well I guess as of late, it's been more so in favor of Josh Christopher kind of running the second unit a little bit more. But with Alper and Shingun returning, hopefully against the Kings, uh, we'll be able to see that connection a little bit more with him and kind of orchestrating that second unit. And it'll be really nice to just, I can't wait to see my my next like 
jaw-dropping Alperin Shingun pass. It's been too long, man. I, I've missed those opportunities. Um, but this was a great win for the Rockets, a much-needed win, even though they tried to let, let go of the rope at the very end with DeJounte Murray, who, shout-out to Murray. He finished this game with 32 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals. Like, he had an insane night. It took him 26 shots to get there, but he had a big night for the Spurs. And then also... Uh, known Rockets killer uh, Bryn Forbes off the bench had 21 on 6 of 11 three-point shooting. But the good news is Lonnie Walker did not kill the Rockets. He is also another known Rockets killer. So holding him to just one of five three-point shooting was a nice, you know, give the Rockets a nice pat on the back for, for dealing with that one. But uh, Paolo, it's been awesome to have you on the show again. I, I have to refrain from the urge to call you prodigy, even though I know you'll <laughs> respond to that. Let everybody know where to track you down at, man. Yeah, y'all can find me at NBA. that's P-A-U-L-O-A-L-V-E-S-N-B-A. Everything I do from podcasts to live shows to articles will find itself linked on there. Awesome. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure to be able to bring you on and talk Rockets Hoops. Yeah, pleasure to be here. <laughs> With that, that's gonna be that's gonna do it for the end of this episode. As always, appreciate you checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google, the brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check out the new YouTube channel. I guess I can't keep calling it new; it's been around for a minute now. But check out the YouTube channel. Search "Locked On Rockets" on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. What was your favorite moment from this Rockets win against the Spurs? Let us know in the comments. As always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.